So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. We've always said that, but now we really mean it. <laughs> it has a greater meaning. Amen. Last time I spoke to the church, I spoke to a camera. So this is so much better to see the faces of every one of you. And God bless you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. If you have your Bibles, I turn your attention to John chapter 11. You can remain seated. I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. But John chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse number 32. And I give honor to Pastor Myers, amen, our great pastor. Give honor to Bishop Myers, amen. Love these men of God dearly. And give honor to my father, Brother Richie, and just so thankful for, for what God has given to us, the team that God has given to us, the church that God has given to us. We're a blessed people. Amen, amen. John chapter 11, and this is now when Lazarus has died. We pick it up in John chapter 11 and verse number 32. It says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest verse in the Bible is verse number 35. It says, And Jesus wept. Verse 36 says, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which had opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone, lay, a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. If thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. I want to speak for just the next few moments on this subject, the cry for faith. The cry for faith. This is such an interesting passage because this is just one of few times where we see that, that Jesus wept. And in fact, that is just the single verse. It just says, Jesus wept. But I believe this weeping here was not for Lazarus. Because you begin to read in the beginning of that chapter, you will see that God already had a plan. That God already had a design in mind. And that God already knew that Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead. I don't believe that Jesus was necessarily weeping for Lazarus, but I... I tend to believe after reading the context of this chapter that, that he was more so weeping for the unbelief that he found in his followers. You start in verse 11. This is when Jesus first lets his disciples know. John chapter 11 and verse 11 says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. The disciples didn't understand it. They said, Lord, if he's asleep, he shall do well. He'll wake up by himself like we all do. 
But how be it Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had just spoke of taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said plainly unto them, Lazarus is dead. And then verse number 15 is an interesting verse because he says, I am glad for it. He said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Man, if you're Lazarus, that's got to hurt. God just uses you as an example of his power. Anybody ever felt like you were there before? <laughs> but God came through. And this is, this is what he said. He said, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there yet to the intent that you may believe. He said, I want to increase your belief. And he said, nevertheless, let's go unto him. And then comes along somebody that we've become known to name, Doubting Thomas. And then Thomas said unto him, which is Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Man, he's just a bright one. He just has some great things, some great news to say. He said, let's go that we can die as well. And then if you skip down to verse number 20, Jesus, he says to the disciples, we know from reading these, he says, I'm doing this so that you can believe. And then he talks to Martha when he reaches Martha. Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming into the city, she went and met him. But Mary was still at the house. In verse 21, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have just been here, if you would have just been here a few days earlier, I know that Lazarus would still be living. But verse 22, he, she said, but I know that that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thou brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. She had a lot of faith. She said, I do believe that you're going to raise him from the dead in the last day. I do believe that. And Martha, Martha said that. But then Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he goes on to say, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Believest thou this? You always got to watch when God asks a question. Because God asks rhetorical questions. <laughs> God doesn't need to know anything. God already knows, but God wants to know if you really know. And he says, do you believe this? And she said unto him, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. This was interesting because she didn't necessarily say, I believe you can go to the tomb right now and raise him from the dead. She just said, I believe that what you've already said, that, that is true. I, I do believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God. She believed, but she didn't go all the way in her belief. 
And ladies and gentlemen, what I, what I feel to tell us tonight, what I feel in the Holy Ghost is that God is wanting to do greater things. We are facing greater enemies than we've ever faced. We're facing bigger problems than the church has ever faced. We're facing unprecedented times in this day and age. And what's going to have to happen in the church is that we're going to have to get an unprecedented faith in God that's going to say, I believe God can do greater things than we have ever seen before. That's what God's wanting to do. God's wanting to do greater things in the church. But we're going to have to have greater faith. We're going to have to have greater faith. And I believe God is getting ready to show his arm of power. I believe God is getting ready to do things that we have never seen before. I believe God is going to begin to do things in the church that we have never dreamed of. And we're not even going to believe it when we see it. But God's going to step up and say, haven't you read your entire life? I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. What you thought was dead, I can raise again. What you thought could never happen, just stand back and watch because I can make it happen. There's got to be a cry within the church for more faith. Church, we've got to cry for our faith to be increased in this hour. As wickedness is increasing, as hatred is increasing, the church needs to rise up and say, God, increase my faith in this hour. We've got to say, God, increase my faith. And then he begins to make his way. And God asks, God asks the crowd. You know, he, he makes his way. Verse 32, let's just continue on here. Jump down to verse 32. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was, she saw Jesus. She fell down at his feet. And she said pretty much the same thing. Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. I believe you could have done it before, but now I don't see how it's possible. Man, sometimes we can look back and see, God, if, if I see how you we could have had a great revival before all this craziness, before all this lockdown, before we had to shut the doors of the church, before we went to online. God, I see how you could have done some great things before then, but now, how, how are we going to have revival? How are we going to have the promises? It seemed like now her faith was finished. She said, all right, I wish you would have been here, Jesus. And when Jesus, verse 33, therefore saw her weeping, picks up where we begin to read. And the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he began to groan in his spirit and was troubled. I believe Jesus was troubled not because Lazarus had died. But because he began to look around and he began to see the faithlessness that was in all those around him. Even the disciples, even Thomas said, well, why don't we just go die with Lazarus? And now Mary and Martha, they said, oh, we believe you could have done it, but where were you? And they said, and so Jesus just said, as he's groaning in his spirit, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Then we have that verse, verse 35, Jesus wept. Jesus began to weep. I believe he began to weep as he did before for the, for the faithlessness. He began to weep because he, he, he saw that, 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 there were, that, that, that it was going to be hard to do a miracle in this, in this midst. And 
Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that right now, God has that same mentality. I do believe that there is a groaning within God right now. I do believe that there, that the church, God is calling the church to, to understand that God is wanting to do something great. That God is wanting to do something miraculous. And God is looking around to see where is somebody that has faith. Like, like I need somebody to have faith in this hour. Where's the David that will stand before the giant while the rest of God's people are hiding in the corner. Where is that person? God wants to move and sometimes he just can't move because of our unbelief or because of our lack of faith. Even Jesus He said, I'm praying for you. He looked at Peter and he said, he said in Luke chapter 22, he said, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you. He's trying to destroy you that he may sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for thee. He said, I've been praying for thee. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God is on your side. He, God is on your side. He said, I have prayed for thee that your faith does not fail. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, God is wanting to know, don't let your faith fail in this hour. Don't let your faith fail in this hour. We've heard the messages. Every message seems to be interlocked with every other message that we've heard during this time. And it's that we've got to get rid of fear and hold on to faith. It is this, it is this prayer, I believe, that God has, has for us that says, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You skip down now back to John chapter 11, verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Take away the stone. Let's go, go back to verse 37. It said, and some of them said, could not this man which had opened the eyes of the blind have even caused that this man should not have died? Even all the people that came were faithless. And Jesus, the Bible says, therefore again, groaning in himself comes to the grave. And it was a cave and a stone lay on it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the, the sister of him that was dead, said, but he's been stinking for 40 days. But ladies and gentlemen, nothing is too far gone for our God. When you get to the end of your faith, just ask God for more faith. Because at the end of our faith, God is not finished. The Bible says God needs to be the author and the finisher of our faith. The amount of faith you have right now should not finish it. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the Holy Ghost speaking. This is not in my notes. I did not think of this at all. This is from God right here. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. When you get to the end of your faith, you need to say, God, write another chapter. Whenever you get to the end of what you can believe God for, you need to say, God, take me deeper in your faith. When you get to the end of that, say, God, I'm done, but you're not done yet. You've got to get that mentality and get a cry that says, God, I need more faith.
I want to believe you for more. I want to know you greater. I want to know you deeper. And then Jesus, verse number 40. A powerful, powerful question. Jesus saith unto her, after she just said, Lord, by this time he stinks. He's been dead for four days. He said, did I not say unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Ladies and gentlemen, that's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we can ask ourselves that same question. Does God not say to us if we can just believe that we ourselves will not see the glory of God? If we could just begin to believe again, then God could raise up some dead things that we just allowed to die and allowed to stay there callings that God has given to you that you've never seen come to pass and you've just said well it's never happened so I don't think it'll ever happen ladies and gentlemen it's time for you to get your faith out again it's time to resurrect promises that God has given you it's time to say God I believe you can do it I've lost faith for a season and that you can take me and that you can use me but God I'm believing you for something greater now God wants to raise up some things that you thought were dead you thought well maybe that was just for somebody else maybe I just misunderstood the call of God maybe I just understood the plan of God but God is asking you to believe again verse 41 says then they took the stone from that place where the dead was laid and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank thee that thou hast heard me 42, and I know that thou hast heard me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they might believe that thou hast sent me. He said, there's people standing by right now. He said, and because there's people standing by, he said, I'm going to get ready to show them that they can believe on me. And the Bible says, and when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. I believe in this hour, there have been many people that are in your life that have just stood by and said, let me see what this Christian's going to do. Let me see what God's going to do in their life. Let me see what God's going to do in their family. You have family members that have been watching you for years. they are people that have just been standing by. And I believe God is getting ready to say, hey, hey, there's people standing by. Now I'm going to do something great that they may believe that God is in the middle. That God is with them. That God is for them. And I believe God is about to unleash unprecedented miracles Because we're living in unprecedented times. Unprecedented times calls for unprecedented faith. Jesus wept for the faith of the people. I went and just began to search through the Bible at times when maybe even this specific Greek word was used. And and times when people wept. You see so many examples like the woman with the... Well, that with the alabaster box, the Bible says she began to weep and, and she, she washed Jesus' feet with her tears. 
And, and you see all of this. She showed her faith by weeping and by sacrificing. Paul writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 4. He said, I, I've, I've greatly desired to see thee, Timothy. He said, being mindful of thy tears. Timothy was a powerful, powerful person in the New Testament church. And I believe one of the first things Paul said about him was because he knew how to pray and he knew how to cry out to God. He said, I've greatly desired to see you being mindful of thy tears. He said that I may be filled with joy. And then he goes on to say, when I call to remembrance the unframed faith that is in thee. Ladies and gentlemen, it's no coincidence that crying out was immediately followed by unframed faith. He said, it first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. And then he says, wherefore put thee in, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to stir up our faith. That, that, that faith is not just something that just grows by accident. But ladies and gentlemen, faith has to be stirred up. Faith has to be something that is stirred up inside of us. He said, you got to remember. He said, I put thee to remembrance that thou stir up the gift that is in you. And then the very next verse is a popular verse that we've been using. He said, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Ladies and gentlemen, it comes with whenever you get on your face and you begin to cry and say, God, give me unfeigned faith that you can drive out all fear. You can drive out that spirit of fear that is trying to grip our entire world. Do you understand how much fear is trying to grip our world? Don't let fear grip you as a child of God. But let there be a cry of faith that rises up from your spirit to say, God, let me overcome this by my faith. God, I cry out to you. You've got to stir up the gift. You've got to stir up the gift. You know, I love to drink sweet tea. I think unsweet tea was not created by God. Have you ever tried to get on sweet tea at a restaurant and pour sugar in it and try to stir it up. It don't work. It doesn't work. It, it, it all, you just see all the sugar just falls straight to the bottom because you just, it's not stirred up enough. Well, there's two things that's got to happen whenever it's stirring to get it to become a part of the tea. You've got to, first of all, you've got to get hot tea. You've got to get it when it's hot. And then you pour it in, and then you've got to stir it up really good while it's hot. And whenever you do that, it becomes a part of the tea. It no longer just sinks to the bottom and lays dormant, and it's not a part of everything else, part of the entire glass. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I think that's sometimes how our faith is. 
If we don't stay hot for God, if we don't stay on fire for God, our faith can just begin to lay dormant at the bottom of our life. And yes, we believe, but it's not a part of us. It's not, it's not intertwined into the fabric of every part of our DNA where we, every time we step, we say, God, I believe in you. And every time we take another step, it's just the faith, your faith is a part of us. But, but sometimes we believe in God, but yet it just lays dormant. We've got to, like Paul said, stir up the gift that is in us. Man, I quickly got to hurry. Stir up the gift. We got to be red hot. We even see Jesus weeping for the faith of the people in Jerusalem. The last time he comes to Jerusalem, the last time he's, he, he, he's, he's heading towards Calvary, we know there's the palm celebration. And, and I, I've even preached a message on, the, on this passage of scripture, but Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, it says, And when he, he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. Jesus, realizing that his time to affect the world had come to an end, he began to weep. And he said, If thou hast known, even now, at least in this day, the things which belongeth unto thy peace, but now are hid from thine eyes. He began to cry. He said, if you just would have known, if you just would have known what could have been, if you just would have known what, what belonged to you, if you would have known, he began to weep. And, and you know, in another place it says, I would have gathered you together. As a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. He said, but you would not. You wouldn't let me do it. The Bible says he came into his own. And his own received him not. But thankfully, (laughs) there's another part to that. It says, but as many as received him. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Jesus wept for the faith. He cried out for faith. He cried out for faith. Another place you see weeping in the Bible or tears in the Bible, that that word that come from Jesus wept is when you go to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. When it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, there's coming a day where there will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Ladies and gentlemen, I've come to remind you that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We've got to look forward, because one day, we're not going to have to cry out anymore. One day, we're not going to have to worry anymore. One day, there's not going to be any more pain. One day this world that is full of death and pain and sorrow and sickness and disease and wickedness and sin. We're going to be able to get away from it all. And I'm glad that this world is not my home. And that soon and very soon we will go and see the king. But ladies and gentlemen, until that day there needs to be a cry from the church. Until that day we need to have tears in our eyes. Until that day... We need to have a cry for
for the people of this world. We need to have a cry for our family. We need to have a cry for our souls until that day that God wipes away the tears from our eyes. I pray that you would keep tears in your eyes before God every day. Come on, would you just lift up your hands? God is moving in this place. Would you let a cry go forth? Oh, God, give me a burden for my own soul like never before. God, give me a burden for my family like never before. God, give me a burden for my city like never before. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Revelation chapter 21, just a few verses. Let's just read through it all. Verse 5, it says, And he he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write these words, for they are faithful and true. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to remember the God we serve. He's the only God. You've got to remember that. There is no other God besides our God. There is nothing that can compare to our God. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. And then the very next verse says, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Leave that verse up there if you would. I began to read through this. As I was studying, and it was very interesting because a lot of those you're like, of course, that would cause you to go to hell. Start from the bottom. All liars, okay, we know that idolaters, sorcerers, whoremongers, murderers, the abominable, the unbelieving, people that aren't believers in Jesus Christ. But then you get to the first one on the list. It says, but the fearful. It says, but... The fearful are not going to make it. I looked at that word, what that word means. It, it not only just means fearful, but sometimes it means faithless. It's the same word that was used by Jesus when they were on the boat and they said, Master, wake up. Don't you care? We're about to die in this storm. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him out of the sleep and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. In verse 40, he said, Why? Are you so fearful? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the same exact word that was used. He said, why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? He was looking at his disciples. He was looking at who he was going to turn everything over to. And he said, you have no faith. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I truly believe that even though we are believers, even though we are here tonight, even though you are some of the most faithful people in this church, could it be that you and I still have more room for faith? Could it be that we still allow fear to creep in when God tells us to do something? Could it be that we still don't believe in God for certain things? Oh, we believe that if pastor was to, to lay our hands on the, on the sick that they would recover. But, man, I just, I just don't believe that if I do it, it may happen, it may not. We may have a lack of faith. And today, let me tell you, fear is enlarging itself. As the Bible says, hell is enlarging itself. Fear will always distract you from faith. And fear is the enemy of faith. And right now, we see it trying to take over our entire world, ladies and gentlemen. We've been on this journey where fear has been on a rampage since March, whatever, the, the beginning of March, where fear has just get, created a lockdown scenario. And, 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 I, and it's, just, it's just an amazing thing. But Jesus made this statement, how is it that you, you, that are on the boat with me, have no faith. I can just see, after everything, Jesus is just thinking on a creative license here. After everything you've seen me do, after all the miracles that you've seen, you're worried about this storm that's popped up. Just because you haven't seen me work in this environment yet. They hadn't seen him calm the wind and the seas yet. So they couldn't believe him for it yet. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to see things that we've never seen before. But I hope that we can believe God to do things that we've never seen before. In the last days, things are going to be greater than it was in the former days. We know these things are coming to pass. and We know that these things are beginning to happen. But God is going to do unprecedented things. And in this unprecedented time. But ladies and gentlemen, when we don't have faith, God can barely move. God can only move in our midst due to our level of faith. Let me show you Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And Jesus went out thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many hearing him were astonished. They were amazed at his teachings, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this from which is given to him? And that let even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. And then verse 3, the Bible says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James? You know, it... You know, it, it are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at Jesus. And then Jesus said, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And then verses 5 and 6 cut to the core. And he could do no mighty work there. He could there do no mighty work 
save that he just laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. He could only do a few things. He did miracles, and I'm sure they rejoiced over it. But he couldn't do mighty works there in their midst. Think about it. He couldn't do mighty works there. Then verse 6 says, And he marveled because of their unbelief. And so he just went to the next village teaching and looking for somewhere where he could do mighty works. Ladies and gentlemen, God has to do mighty works in this day and age. It's prophesied in the Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, where God does it and who God does it through completely depends on who it is. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I say, God, let it be me. God, let it be this church. God, let it be my family. God, let it be my pastor. God, let it be. God, let it do your works through me. I want to believe you for greater things. I don't want you to look at me and say where is his faith I want God to look at me and say man this is somebody that I can use you look at you look at when God was getting ready to take the children of Israel into the promised land I spoke about it at the beginning of the year You look at when the children of Israel were about to come in. They sent 12 spies into the land. And they said, hey, I want you to go spy out the land and bring back a report to us. The 12 spies came back and 10 of them, the Bible says, brought an evil report. Said there's giants in the land and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And and, and their their walled cities are too great for us. We're, We're nothing compared to them. We cannot take the land. But the Bible says that Joshua and Caleb, two of those spies that went, the the remaining two said, no, we can take it. If God is on our side, we can do it. I know it's going to be tough and I know there's going to be battles, but do you understand who we serve? Do you not remember the Red Sea and the Egyptians being covered by it? The Bible says that the people believed the report of the ten spies And disregarded Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says Joshua and Caleb rent their clothes. They tried everything that they could to put faith into the people. But God finally looked down to Moses and said, Moses, uh, you and all the people are not going to go into the promised land. The only people that are going into the promised land are those that could believe me for mighty works. He said the only people that are going to go into the promised land... Is going to be Joshua and Caleb and the children of your people. He said, but everybody that had a lack of faith, I'm going to let them die in the wilderness. Because whenever I go to do mighty things in this promised land, I'm going to need people that are full of faith. I'm going to need people that are crying out and saying, believe God. He can do it. He's able. He's everything that we need. Jesus, Jesus. One thing we see when we look at Jonah, wickedness was great in Nineveh. Wickedness was rising up in Nineveh. You can relate that probably to our world today. 
just just sin, greed. You know, the Bible says sin gets worse and worse. And, and the Bible says it came up before God. And God said, all right, Jonah, I want you to go down. And if you look at Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. He said, the way you're going to reach that city is when you cry against it. When, you, when, when there's a cry that comes from the man of God, from the people of God. He said, the wickedness has come up before me, so I need somebody that will get on their face and cry. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that that is what God is looking for right now. I believe God, He sees everything that's coming up and all He's looking for is somebody that will say, God, I will go and I will cry against it. I will go and I will cry against it. And man, I've got so many notes, but let me just jump ahead to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 3. The Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh ladies and gentlemen we walk in the flesh but we're not supposed to war in the flesh you're in this body but that's not how you fight and he said for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself above the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He said, you've got to bring into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. When you begin to catch yourself thinking, oh, God, can God really do that? you got to captivate that thought and bring it into obedience. You've got to take that imagination and cast it down. You've got you've to say God is able to do anything. And I remind you of what Romans 5 and verse 20 says, but where sin does abound, grace did much more abound. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care how wicked this world gets, there's always going to be more grace than there is wickedness. There's always going to be more joy. There's always going to be more love than there is hate. There's always going to be more on God's side than against God. As we see something rise up in our world, like we see hatred rise up in our world, that means that love in the church has got to abound more, greater. When we see wickedness rise up more and more in the world, there should be worship rise up even greater in the church. Ladies and gentlemen, our worship needs to get greater and greater in this hour. Our cry for more of God, for more of God's grace, for more of God's mercy, it's got to be greater. We've got we've to resist the urge to react in the flesh to the things that come against us, to get discouraged, to get despondent, to, to get angry, to get bitter. We've got we've to resist those urges that sin will try to put on us, and we've got to really 
release what God has given to us. That's why you need the Spirit of God, ladies and gentlemen, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no law. That's If you want something to be birthed in you, you got to cry out for more of God's Spirit. We can't walk after the flesh. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk in His love. We've got to walk in His grace. We've got to walk in His anointing. We've got to cry out for it. We've got to cry out for it. We've got to cry out for it. Look at Jesus, even while He hung on the cross, the Bible says He looked at those attacking Him. And He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying even then for faith to arise. He was praying even then. We, 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 we can't let bitterness creep up into our life. We can't, we can't let anything distract us from what we're doing here, from what God has in store for us. Ladies and gentlemen, our job is to cry for more faith so that God can do greater things in our midst. Our cry in this day and age has got to be different than the world. Our cry has got to be, God, do something great. God, I'm going to believe in you for greater things. God, I'm going to believe just as you said, if I can speak to the mountain, it can be removed and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Let me tell you folks, this world, we, we, we shouldn't put our trust in our government. We shouldn't put our trust in our bank accounts. We shouldn't put our trust in anything. Our trust in our faith must be in God alone. Our trust can't be in our own intellect. Our trust has to be in God alone if you're aspiring to the ministry your trust cannot be in your abilities your trust must be in God alone if you want to be used of God it's not going to be by anything that you have to offer but it's going to be God in you that will do the work would you stand to your feet I want to close with just this this passage has always stuck with me. You know how sometimes you read something in the Bible. You read something in the Word of God and it just never leaves you. This is one of these things that's never left me. And this is whenever a man brought his son that was demon-possessed. And he brought him to the disciples and the disciples couldn't cast out the demon. And, and so finally they bring him to Jesus and they said, Jesus, we can't cast this demon out. And, and Mark chapter 9 and verse 23 says, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. This, this is a promise. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then the next verse is very powerful. He said, and straightway the father of the child, he cried out. And he said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief.
I used to think you either believed or you didn't. But through the study of the scriptures, you begin to see that, that your belief, your faith, is not just you either have faith or you don't. But your faith, you can either be full of faith or you can just have a little bit of faith. And so, in studying for this, this is what I felt from God. That this needs to be my prayer and your prayer. To say, God, I believe. But Lord, help my unbelief. God, I believe that you can do it. But God, help my unbelief. Sometimes we can believe in Him to an extent, but we need some help to believe a little deeper. I wonder all over the house if you could raise your hands. If you want to come to this altar, you're, you're welcome to come to this altar. But I wonder if you could make that your prayer for the next few moments. Let there be a cry for faith that goes out from your spirit to say, God, I want to believe like never before. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. God, I don't want to be fearful. God, help my unbelief. God, I don't want to doubt. Help my unbelief. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the cure for everything is just to believe in God. I believe miracles can take place right now. I believe healings will take place right now. I believe things can happen in your home right now. I believe God can do something in your child's life right now. Oh God, we cry for faith. If you need a healing, say, I believe, but God help my unbelief. If your son is caught up in sin, say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus went forth and delivered this boy. Jesus went forth and cast the devil out. Jesus, Jesus, we believe in you. God, do something greater. God, I don't want to sit in the sidelines uh, cowering to every giant. But I want to be like David. You come to me with a sword and a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. You come to me with carnality. I come to you in the name of Jesus. You come to me in the flesh. I war in the spirit. Come on, you need to take some of those thoughts that you've been thinking and bring them under captivity unto the obedience of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You need to cast down some imaginations right now. I cast down my fear. I cast down my doubt. I cast down my hate. I cast down my bitterness. I cast down anything that exalts itself above God. Hallelujah.
Let it be a cry from your soul. Let it be a cry from your spirit. Don't be afraid to let tears flow. Jesus wept for you. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to be a fearful. Oh, God. Burn it out of my life. I lay myself on the altar. Burn up any unclean thing in me. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let faith rise up in you right now. I wonder if you would get out some faith right now. I wonder if you begin to speak things into existence. I wonder if you just begin to declare the greatness of God. I wonder if you would just begin to magnify God. Just make him bigger in your life right now. God, you're the creator. You're the deliverer. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the way maker. You are the healer. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. Come on, would you just declare who he is? Would you just speak it into your life? Would you just remind yourself? who you serve and whose you are. I believe, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. Stir up that faith, oh God, in us. God, let the gift of faith, oh God, fall upon your people right now. God, let us go forth and believe in you for the impossible. God, let us lay hands on the sick in our workplaces and let them recover. God, let us lay hands on people in the jobs, oh God, and let them receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, don't let it die out. It's got to get red hot before it's what you stir up gets infused into your DNA until it gets infused in every part of who you are. You need to just continue to push. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Remember where God's brought you from. Remember what God's done for you. Let that be a catalyst for your faith to arise. Stir up every promise he's ever given you. Stir up every miracle he's ever done in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ya 
After this, this boy was delivered, the Bible says the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, because of your unbelief. He said, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then he goes on to say, how be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to have an increase of faith. We need to have an increase of prayer. And we need to have an increase of fasting. If we want to say, God, move in our midst. God, use me to do a mighty work. Use me to do an unprecedented thing in this unprecedented time. God, use me to be a light in this dark world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get on our knees like never before. Let's cry for more faith like we never have before. And let's pray and let's fast like never before. Amen, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you want to get involved in the prayer, see Brother Scott. We have a prayer chain that goes on. See Brother Scott. Get with him. Let's get a part of this prayer chain. And I know that God's going to bless you. Amen. Let's go forth. Let's do great things for God. Amen. Why don't we just give him one more hand clap of praise. We thank you, Jesus. God, we know you're able. God, we glorify you in advance for what you're going to do, God. We thank you, Lord, for increasing our faith, oh God. God, go with us, God. Strengthen us, oh Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. We look forward to Sunday. Brother Herring will be with us. Amen. 8.30 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and also Sunday night. Amen. 6.30 p.m. God bless you in Jesus' name.